under which Walmart will build out its e-commerce capabilities by leveraging some of Microsoft's most advanced cloud solutions. So you're going to take a brick and mortar company, right? That wants to do more in e-commerce and it's going to a major player, Microsoft. Now, what do you think the impetus of this deal is? Welcome to the Fueling Deals Podcast, the podcast that teaches how to accelerate your business growth through all types of deals. It's time to fuel up, so buckle in with your host, Corey Kupfer. There are only two ways to grow your business, organically through sales and marketing and providing great products and services, and inorganically through deals. Too many companies focus only on the first way, organic growth. Welcome to the podcast, which will help accelerate your business growth inorganically. My guests are a huge variety of deal makers and experts on all types of deals who have personal experience that can help you grow, get clear, learn best practices, and avoid mistakes. We discuss everything from large, complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. Today is going to be a solo cast, and what I want to do on this solo cast is to uh, review some of the deals of uh, 2018 and what they tell us about the kind of deals that we can be doing as business owners. Uh, and the deals I'm going to be looking at are larger deals, but frankly, uh, there are lessons in them that can be done anywhere from uh, up and down the scale and size of deal and size of company. So I think we can um, learn some things by what the big guys are doing. Um, so uh, I'm doing this off of a couple of uh, uh, articles that I found. Uh, one is, and I, you know, I just want to give a shout out and acknowledge, uh, it's an Inc. Uh, article by somebody named Larry Kim, who's the CEO of Mobile Monkey. And he did a, um, a review, I think, within the, uh, you know, somewhat recently um, of, the, of some of the big tech deals in 2018. And uh, I just happened to pick this one. We could pick any of these deals that are illustrative um, because we're not talking about the deals themselves, but we're talking about what they show us as deal makers and what we can possibly learn from them and do in our own businesses. So according to this article, the first one they list is uh, Gannett's acquisition of WordStream. And what's interesting there is that they say in here, he says in here that this acquisition will empower Gannett to further pursue their digital transformation with data-driven marketing. So what really they've done here, if you think about it, is that they, they have some uh, digital transformation that's going on. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's not really important for these purposes. And that um, the acquisition is going to allow them to have obviously stronger capacity in data-driven marketing. So it's something that enhances their existing uh, offering and their existing services, right? That's a very common way. And you're going to see that's a theme with some of these that I'm going to read. That's really what they're doing. They're uh, enhancing services and products. The next one, IBM acquired Red Hat. So uh, Red Hat is a a business that's uh, focused in the open source space. uh, And IBM acquired that uh, business to, you know, to have more capacity in terms of open source. So that's, uh, you know, a a type of of, uh, software uh, technology and, you know, and and development uh, on open source. Uh, And obviously, IBM wants uh, more capacity in that area. Uh, Number three is uh, Oracle acquired Datafox. And that was uh, to uh, increase their capacity in terms of artificial intelligence to analyze business data. So, uh, you know, again, you see the theme here, right? A lot of acquisitions that are for the purpose of expanding or improving the capability of a company in either an area that they're in already or a product that they're in already or in some place they want to expand to. Uh, Twilio acquired SendGrid. Which was, a, and by the way, these are, a lot of these are multi-billion dollar deals. 
So uh, it says here, Twilio hopes to integrate SendGrid into its own cloud communications platform to create an all-in, one platform for business growth. So it sounds to me, right, that they, they have this, this business platform uh, and they're going to be incorporating, it's a, it's a cloud communications platform, and this is going to expand the capability and the offering under that platform, right? So again, keeping on theme, but these are sort of different variations of it, right? Adobe acquired Marketo. Uh, if that's the correct pronunciation. Um, Adobe's been, uh, oh, so this is an interesting one. Adobe's been working on its own cloud solution suite. So obviously internally, their own, you know, development, research development and uh, product development. They've been working on this uh, cloud develop, uh, solution suite uh, for some time now and adding Marketo may help the mix to improve it. So there's obviously that, you know, that's something that companies do all the time. There's always the choice, do we develop internally or do we acquire or contract or do some sort of deal to get that capability? And you know, reading into this, and I don't know if this is exactly the case, but uh, again, the purpose of this is for it to be illustrative. It's very possible that Adobe went down the route of uh, doing its own development, then maybe uh, so it was involved in in doing it, either in terms of difficulty or time or uh, you know capabilities or expertise, and said, hey, you know, there's somebody out, out there that does this aspect of what we want in our cloud solution suite. And, you know, it would be much more efficient and better to buy that. Uh, Cisco acquired uh, Duo Security. And it says the acquisition is said to be about bolstering Cisco's intent-based networking strategy by extending it into multi-cloud environments. So, again, this is a situation where Cisco has a certain capability, this internet, this intent-based networking strategy. And uh, they want to move it into multi-cloud environments. And that's a capacity that apparently this Duo Security has. Uh, eight, number seven, AT&T acquired Alien Vault. Uh, it says here, being one of the biggest telecommunication companies in the world, AT&T can always use help in boosting its own security. So again, just reading from that simple description, this may be a deal that where they acquired a company for their own internal improvement, not necessarily in connection with a product, but uh, you know, maybe it was for their own internal um, capability and improvement to make their own systems more secure which is interesting. And number eight, Siemens acquires Mendix. So Siemens is, uh, is looking to use this platform to create more products seamlessly among other things. So it's a platform that obviously is gonna, uh, basically Mendix uh, it, it has a low code software program uh, platform to provide tools for building, testing, deploying, and iterating applications. So it's, it's, a, it's a platform that helps developers, uh, you know, develop on a, on a, apparently on a more quick basis. And it looks like Siemens is going to be using that to help create their products. So this is not, doesn't sound like it's an integration or an improvement of a product that they're selling out to the marketplace, but this is something that increases their internal capability to put out more products more quickly or in a better way. Um, so that's uh, another kind of deal, right, where you contract a hire or, or, or in this case, acquire uh, to create uh, greater internal capacity or systems. Um, DocuSign acquires Spring CM. So it says DocuSign is known for providing secure solutions for electronic exchanges of contrast and signed documents. Well, um, you know, if anybody knows what DocuSign does itself, it, you know, it's, a, it's a, one of the basic things I use in the legal field is, uh, is for signing documents electronically um, online. So, uh, so that's what they do, right? So they say by bringing in Spring CM, under its wing, DocuSign plans to modernize its systems of agreement. I gotta be frank, I don't know what the systems of agreement are, 
but obviously it's a piece of what they do or of uh, you know what people sign. I don't know. And and this this is going to help them improve that. And finally, on this from this particular article on the acquisition list on uh, what uh, he lists as the top ten um, tech acquisitions of 2018 is Salesforce acquires Datarama, and uh, this is is a deal that he says uh, the acquisition is a good fit for Salesforce, combining their sales and marketing software with the power of the marketing cloud. So obviously, there's some cloud-based uh, marketing uh, solution that this company provides that's going to enhance what Salesforce is doing already. So again, taking this from uh, Larry Kim's article in Inc., uh, that's a review. So what, uh, I, I want to go on to some uh, partnership deals after this, but you know, most of what we heard there is companies either improving their existing products, expanding their product lines, improving their own internal uh, systems and processes or capabilities. And those are a number of reasons that, you know, that companies do acquisitions. And very often, those types of things, especially if you're integrating it into a product or service of yours and you want to really own it, it's, you know, especially, uh, you know, if you can do it, um, acquiring that as opposed to licensing it. You know, we talk about all the kinds of different deals on this podcast. You know, theoretically, you can license some of that technology. You may be able to do it in a strategic alliance or joint venture. But, um, you know, especially with a bigger company with a budget and who can do it, um, when you're integrating into your product or service, it's always best to try to own it, right? Because then, you know, you have full rights to it. You can modify it. You can develop it. You're not under restrictions that might be in a licensing deal. Um, but acquire, if you're not in a position to acquire a company that does those kind of things that are synergistic, there are other options on how you do those deals. Uh, and I sort of mentioned them already, right? You can join venture with somebody. You can partner with them. You can have a strategic alliance. You can license certain technology from people. And there are ways to... Uh, protect you to have, you know, what we call a perpetual worldwide uh, exclusive and non-exclusive license. Uh, uh, and in technology, it's uh, often non-exclusive. But, um, you know, so there are ways that you can make sure you have rights forever on it. Um, you know, but certainly, listen, if, you, if you're in a position to buy it, that's great. Um, in contrast to that, I wanted to talk, I found, you know, another article that had the 10 most important tech partnerships, partnerships of 2018. Uh, and this was something on CRN.com. I, I frankly don't know the site well. I just, you know, searched and found it by somebody named Rick Whiting. So I want to acknowledge uh, him uh, because I'm working off his work here. Um, and uh, I'm not going to go through all 10 in this case. I just picked up, so, uh, picked up uh, out some representative ones. But it's interesting. You know, they, they call it uh, tech partnerships. Now, when you see the word partnership in an article, in a, in a press, this happens to be sort of a, like a slideshow thing. Um, you know, that, that's a generic sort of business term, right? That could mean that it's actually a business partnership where they own uh, the business together, where there's some sort of equity share in an entity. It could be a joint venture. It could be a strategic alliance. You'll see some of these are different. Um, so the, the word they're using partnership is more the sort of business colloquial term and not the legal term. And you'll see how some of these are structured. So I think I'm just going to do a few of these to give you some representative examples of non-acquisition type deals uh, that major companies did that illustrate a to some of the things that you can do as well. So the first one is Microsoft and Walmart inked a five-year cloud services partnership, right? So now I don't know if this is, uh, you know, how it's structured. I don't know if it's just, a, it may just be a contractual arrangement, which is probably what it is, some sort of strategic alliance con contract. Um, but, you know, but it could be a joint venture or something else. But my guess is it's probably a contract between Walmart and Microsoft. And it's under which Walmart will build out its e-commerce capabilities by leveraging some of Microsoft's most advanced cloud solutions. So you're going to take a brick and mortar company, right? 
that wants to do more in e-commerce and it's going to a major player, Microsoft. Now, what do you think the impetus of this deal is? Uh, I'll, I'll give you a second to think about it, uh, fueling podcast listeners, because uh, you know I think uh, you'll either come up with it or when I tell you it, it'll be pretty obvious. So I don't know what you thought of, but here's the bottom line. Who is Walmart competing against? Who is almost everybody in the world competing against here? Amazon, right? So Amazon, this, this was a move where Walmart and Microsoft got together, who are giants in this respective industries, as it says here, but they have one thing in common, a major competitor called Amazon. So Amazon is taking what Walmart does and what Microsoft does combined online and, 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 uh, and obviously, you know, dominating the world in some ways. Well, you know, Walmart and Microsoft want a piece of that business. So they have come together. So that's a lesson. You know, is there a competitor in the industry that you're having trouble competing against on your own or competing with on your own? Or, or you know, I even like, to, you know, to uh, look at it from a creative plane. You know, what is the creative solution that you can um, create to be more um, competitive with those, uh, you know, companies out there that might be better at some things than you are, right? Listen, let's be real. Amazon's better at selling stuff online than, than Walmart is. And Walmart, you know, is, is whatever issues people may have around Walmart as to, you know, pay of workers and other things in terms of what their business model is, which is to sell stuff inexpensively, right, uh, you know, across the board in a retail environment, unbelievably successful company. But the business has evolved. And frankly, you know, as opposed to moving online as quickly and dominating that area, Amazon's want, run way ahead of them. So Walmart's trying to catch up and they're bringing it. They can't do it alone. They're bringing in Microsoft. You know, there are things on a small level where you should look in your business on, are there key partners that can help you compete and accelerate in areas where, uh, you know, maybe uh, your competitors are ahead of you. So that's, that's one deal. The next one uh, that's listed in this CRN.com uh, um, uh, listing by Rick Whiting is um, Apple and Google. So two major players. Now, some people say, wait a second, Apple and Google are competitors. Why are they, you know, they compete in various ways. Well, they are. They absolutely are. But this is what happens that bigger companies do that a lot of smaller companies don't. They're actually willing to compete with each other in some areas and partner with each other in other areas. In fact, I'm aware of companies that have been suing each other in some areas and still partnering in other areas. Because the thing is, for big companies, you know, it's, it's a lot less, you know, it's, it's a lot less emotional. It's a lot less personal. Now, do I say if you have a small business, you should be doing business with somebody that you're suing or they're suing you? You know, probably a lot tougher. And in most cases, probably no. But that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities to do business with people that, uh, and companies that compete with you in certain areas where it could be a great thing for both of you and for your customers if you get together in another area and you could be friendly competitors. So what they did was they got together Apple and Google, and they apparently just you know disclosed it in the middle of uh, 2018 uh, that as part of um, the infrastructure for its cloud services, um, uh, iCloud services, that Apple uh, is using the Google Cloud platform. Now, by the way, in addition to competitors coming together, this is another situation in which um, Amazon comes into play. Why? Because as it says here, the partnership with Apple, so between Apple and Google Cloud, is seen as providing a market boost to the Google, Google Cloud, I'll say that again, to the Google Cloud platform, which trails AWS and, and, and a Microsoft product in market share. AWS is Amazon's web services. And a lot of people don't know 
that Amazon, in addition to selling you everything in the world, uh, makes a huge amount of money providing web services, basically providing cloud capacity to all kinds of uh, different companies. And the Google Cloud Platform is a competitor to that, and they're behind AWS, uh, Amazon Web Services. So they have partnered with the Google, with Google Cloud, you know, Google has partnered with Apple to try to, you know, bring up that competitive advantage. So they did it for a reason of catching up to a competitor, and they work with a competitor in a different way to, uh, to do that. Very interesting. The next one we have here is, let's see if I can pronounce it. It's, uh, I think it's Ariaka and China Mobile. Well, so what is this about? So um, Ariaka is a SD-WAN technology developer. For anybody who's techies out there, you may know what that it is. I have no idea what that is, but it doesn't matter for the point I'm making. They forged a partnership with um, China Mobile International. Why did they do that? Well, they were running into issues with uh, cross-border uh, limits on communications. Why? Because there's issues in China with regard to um, uh, various regulations that govern various things in terms of cross-border communications. And the thing with China, whatever, whether you like it or not, they have a lot of requirements uh, around restricting foreign companies from doing business there, at least without uh, having local involvement. So this um, Ariaka company partnered with, Ch with China Mobile, which is a Chinese telecom. It's one of the big Chinese telecom companies. And um, they, uh, you know, and they've come together to uh, get past those regulatory issues on the, on the cross-border communication. So that's obviously um, cause, you know, uh, solving a problem for them and potentially giving them access to another market. So that's another way. Now, you know, for, for many of you, you're not going to be doing business in China and things like that. But what's the broader lesson on that? The broader lesson is that there are some opportunities that certain companies have access to and others don't, whether, you know, through the regulations or whatever. One example I can think of, for example, is that there are a number of um, MWBE companies, minority and women business-owned companies out there, and there are projects that are set aside for those kind of companies. There are big, big corporations that set aside a certain amount of their contracts for MWBE and the government sets forth, uh, you know, federal, state, and local level, for example, sets uh, uh, aside some, some contracts so they require a certain percentage of contracts to be with a minority or women-owned business uh, enterprise to account for uh, and try to make up for some of the past uh, discrimination in that area. Well, how does that work? I mean, obviously, that's an opportunity for businesses that are minority or women-owned, but how does that affect a company if you are not uh, a MWBE uh, qualified company? Well, I've seen many companies, uh, uh, you know, who see opportunities in that partner with MWBE companies. Now, I won't get into the details on that structure. I've done some of those deals. In general, the control has to be by the MWBE partner. They need to have 51%. They need to have the voting control. But you can potentially, you know, if there's a lucrative opportunity and you are a majority-owned company, you could partner. And very often, minority-owned companies, MWBE companies, uh, who need additional capacity to fill bigger contracts will partner with majority companies and they take up to 49% the majority owned company uh, in a deal and the WBE company uh, qualifies for the contract and gets the majority of it. But there's money to be made and there's uh, great partnerships to be built and business opportunities to be had in breaking through and getting into a uh, regulated environment that you wouldn't otherwise qualify for by partnering. So that's sort of a parallel to what this company did with China. Then we've got Microsoft and Nimble. Um, and so this is another one where they say, you know, Nimble and Microsoft would appear to be competitors 
in the markets for CRM and marketing applications. But they say, hey, no, there's really more alignment here. Why? Because even though they're both in CRM, Nimble is much more uh, you know, in the, uh, in the app side for small businesses, and it doesn't intrude so much into the turf where Microsoft sells its ERP and CRM applications, which is in you know, bigger companies and, and higher end. Um, so, you know, even though they are on paper doing the same things, their markets, their clients, the, the companies, the segments that they market into are really, you know, not that overlapping, right? So they're not truly competitors, although they do the same thing. That's a great opportunity, upscale, mar- up market, down market. Sometimes it's based upon geography. You can partner with people where, you know, they have access in a certain geography and you don't. So here they got together and um, they're going to, uh, you know, com- basically take uh, those applications and um, be able to ser- serve a broader market, right? You know, up and down, up and down the market. And uh, Microsoft, basically, they're going to they're going to have Microsoft is going to use its channel partners to sell the Nimble in conjunction with Office 365. So what you know, that's another aspect of this. Microsoft has phenomenal distribution. Channel partners are people who are like uh, work with Microsoft products and sell Microsoft products other kind of products. So Nimble comes along and says, hey, I want to access that big distribution system. Microsoft says, hey, you know, we don't do this on the, on the lower end and we can integrate this into Office 365, you know, and, and it could be economically beneficial for us and good for our clients. So there's an opportunity there for, that, for, for both sides to, uh, to, you know, to, to, to improve. And, and that's another example if we want to take it back to how you can apply that in your business. You know, look for companies that are already selling into your market, maybe other types of products. And, or look for, look for companies that have distribution in markets where you want to get to. Um, you know, I, I'll give an example, which is, I mean, we're talking in these deals, it's much more product-based, but the channel partner sort of model um, is, uh, and I'll give you a variation on it. You know, one of the, I have clients in all industries, we do everything from tech, we're talking about tech deals here, you know, to you name it. I've done licensing deals and restaurant deals and, you know, uh, brick and mortar and retail. And, um, but, you know, I do a bunch in financial services, including in the RA space. And a lot of the business uh, from that comes from custodians. So like Schwab, Fidelity, TD Pershing, people like that. And some of the consultants and the recruiters in the industry, they have big sales forces where they call upon um, uh, these uh, uh, brokers at wirehouses at uh, like UBS and Morgan Stanley and Merrill Lynch and Goldman Sachs and people like that. Uh, and they say, hey, you know, you should leave there and form your own firm and go independent as a registered investment advisory firm, uh, which is when I help them. I help them leave where they're, where they're, where they're from, set them up in, in a new business and become entrepreneurs and have their own, their own business uh, doing wealth management. So uh, these uh, custodians and other key people are the ones who are selling into them and then they bring me in. Now, the difference in mine is we don't have any kind of deal, partnership, business arrangement. There's no money exchange hands. It's just a referral relationship, and that's what's appropriate in, 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 in my business. And frankly, as a lawyer, I can't split legal fees with anybody. But it's, it, there are similar uh, you know, deals, similar arrangements that people do in other industries, which is similar to that where there is actually an economic deal, where you know, the, the channel partners bringing you in uh, gets a piece of it, uh, of the deal, or where it just benefits them in various other ways. I mean, for me, it benefits them because you know, the custodians are going to get the assets on their platform. That, that's how they make money. So if I help these people leave the Merrill Lynch's and the Morgan Stanley's and set up their own firms, the assets, you know, it's going to help the Schwab's and Fidelity's and TD's and Persians. So 
you know, look up and down your network and see where maybe other people can basically, you know, sell for you or access for you, or you can do it for them. Maybe you're the one with the distribution network and the connections and somebody else has a product that's a great product, but they haven't been able to get it out there. And you say, hey, I sell X to my marketplace. I can have my salespeople and marketing people and, you know, and online systems, wherever it is, uh, you know, just be set up to, to do another product line. And I have access to the, to the customer base. So, Listen, those are some examples of, of the kind of deals you can do. I think it's useful uh, if you want to start to do deals or if you do deals and you want to expand. Uh, and if you don't do deals, I think you should at least learn about it and know it as an option to look at uh, some of the deals the bigger companies do and study them and find out what they're doing. Because listen, they don't do anything, everything right. In fact, they make mistakes, but they're bigger for a reason. And most of them have grown inorganically in addition to organically. So they've at least done a chunk of deals, you know, well enough uh, to have them grow. So that's why I wanted to use this, these examples as illustrative examples uh, of, and really to get your mind going, get you thinking, get you thinking about the different options and possibilities. So with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thank you all Fueling Deals listeners for tuning in. And remember, there's only one difference between companies that grow inorganically and those that don't. And it's unrelated to size, amount of capital, or any other factor other than that the owners and executives of companies that do deals make a decision to do deals. And then they take action. Well, it's time to refuel. So until next week, Corey Kupfer signing out. Thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to leave Fueling Deals a rating and review on iTunes and Google. Check out all our episodes at FuelingDeals.com to find out more resources to accelerate your business growth.